Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! This is Royally Obsessed, your favorite royal podcast. Rachel, why am I so excited for today's episode? I am so excited, probably because it's a very special episode because we got to see each other. More on that coming up. (laughs) And it's dedicated to Spencer, the movie. We'll also get into some royal news, but we're talking all about the Spencer movie, which we saw together in New York this weekend. It was like just amazing to do that, to sit side by side with you and snack on British candy, which Roberta smuggled (laughs) into the theater. It was the best. Do we need to do any royal housekeeping? Are we good? Uh, Yeah. Royal housekeeping. Email us if you would like at Info Please at definitely email us gallerypodcast.com. Yes, we love to hear from you guys. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. And Rachel, what do we have coming up today? As Roberta mentioned, we are going deep on Spencer. We saw it this weekend. We are also joined by Eloise Moran, the woman behind Lady Die Revenge Looks. I'm sure all of you are following that account. It is so brilliant. She is joining us to talk all about the movie. We also, you know, we're kind of In lieu of news this week, we're kind of skipping over that, but we have a few nuggets to go over. Diana's Dance with Travolta. It's the anniversary week of that. Harry and Meghan in New York City. And also a royally adjacent scandal with the crown. Have you been following that, Roberta? It's so fascinating. Yes, fascinating. The drama behind the scenes. Yes. I can't believe it. But I do want to just do a quick like moment to talk about how special it was to see you this weekend. And Aww. also to publicly thank Roberta because she came all the way to Brooklyn so that we could see Spencer at a <laughs> theater that required vaccinations and masks. But we also were fully expecting to see the director of the film, Pablo Lorraine, who was scheduled to speak after and then had to cancel. (laughs) Yes, the Q&A was canceled at at the last minute. But Rachel, I feel like it was so much more special. One, it was amazing to see you, but also this was your first time back in theaters. Yes, this was my first movie since January 2020. And um, I remember what was it was like 19... What was the war movie? 1917. That was, 1917. 1917. That was the last was so movie good. I saw yeah. in the theater. And I was a, a lady that liked to go to the theater almost weekly. So I really miss that it. That must have been November of 2019. So it really has been two years for you. Yeah. So it was such a treat to see this with you. You returning to the theater and also seeing Spencer together. And we, we dressed wore, for success. Yeah, we wore our Diana sweaters. From we Rowing Blazers. Called out for it. You, do you want to tell the story? No, you the do girl it. Sitting behind? <laughs> well, the girl sitting behind us just, I mean, we you could tell like Rachel and I didn't really go into it thinking it was a horror psychological thriller movie. So we were just really bubbly and excited. And the girl behind us is like, lean forward. And she's like, I just wish I was watching this with you guys. You guys are the perfect people to watch with. I know. Well, we were so like obvious in our fandom with our sweaters. And I also just want to mention how funny it was because when I was getting dressed in the morning, for some reason, Roberta and I didn't text to coordinate, which my husband was like, why don't you just coordinate? But I was like, trying to get in the psychology of your head and be like, what is Roberta going to wear? I know she's going to wear something royal. (laughs) So I'm not going to, maybe she's going to do the red sheep sweater. Maybe she's going to do. It's kind of a miracle we didn't both wear the sheep sweater. Yeah. Yeah. I did the green sheep sweater. You did the I am a luxury. We were so lucky to have those in our closet, by the way. But We looked like mega fans, maybe a little bit embarrassingly, but it's totally fine. We're going to talk all about it. But anyways, before we get into that, what do we have that we're sipping? And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. 
Well, we're toasting. I'm not sipping anything fun actually today, but we are toasting to Lady Louise Windsor. She turned 18 November 8th. And I didn't realize this until you told me, Rachel, this week, but she now has the option to officially become Her Royal Highness Princess Louise. Yes. I thought this was so interesting because her parents have elected to give them the option. Like, I think, you know, they could be like, no, it's not happening. But once they turn 18, they can choose. Like Zara. Yeah. Zara and Peter. It's like, no. Princess Anne said no. But I think with Eugenie and Beatrice, obviously, Prince Andrew said, yes, "Yes, I want them to have the princess title. But this makes me think, I think they would want to steer her towards that because – there is such a gap in, you know, royal coverage now with Harry and Meghan gone, Andrew off the scene. They really do need to kind of fulfill some of those patronages that have gone on. I mean, I guess they still have their patronages, but you know what I mean? It's just like the queen now has like thousands of patronages. Somebody has to kind of fill in big shoes. Yeah. Well, and as we know, like Lady Louise Windsor, her parents are Prince Edward and Sophie Countess of Wessex. And I feel like they really are kind of in a position where they've been really stepping up because of what's gone on with the line of succession too. So I'm excited to see what happens with Lady Louise. I know. I kind of feel like this could be like a big moment for her and we could see her on the royal stage yes, taking on a bunch of royal duties. Although her mom is pretty confident that she's going to go to school, work, all that stuff. So Right, TBD. Did you read that? Wait, side note, that curious story that she didn't know her grandmother was queen till she was like 10? I did not see that. (laughs) I don't know if I believe that. I take it with a grain of salt. Okay, our (laughs) listener email today, short but sweet, from Denise. She says, good morning. I enjoy listening to your podcast every week. Regarding the UK COP26 conference, am I the only one who finds the queen hypocritical in requesting exemption from Scottish climate laws, then scolding leaders who say but don't do, then hosting this conference in this country? Long live the pod, Denise. Pretty good point, Denise. It is a good point. I mean, I feel like I revisited the Guardian piece after getting her email because, you know, as a reminder, the queen is the only person not bound by green energy laws over there, and she had lobbied for personal exemption using the queen's consent. It is really interesting, and it also made me think, do you think that that is something that will change dramatically when Charles is king? I mean, I hope so. I think it's, on the one hand, you have him saying, like, Buckingham is going to be this flat above the shop, and he's going to yeah. turn Balmoral and Sandringham into museums, and what or whatever royal estates he wants to, but I, I, I don't know. On the other hand, it's like, there's a lot of talking and not a lot of doing from their part. Like, you know, the Sussexes just announced they were yeah. going to go to net zero by 2030. I would love to see that. That's from the bold. So yeah, we need it's more bold. of that. It's bold. We need bold action. So we'll see. We'll see. I did also want to mention we got a we got tagged in a cool uh, Instagram story from Becky's Bookstagram, or it's at book dot period dot four dot the dot gram. And she tagged us. Look out for she, the gram. Yeah. She tagged us about how she picked up a copy of The Duke by Ian Lloyd after Kristen Contino joined us in October and recommended that. Totally put it back in my cart. I really had <laughs> wanted to read that. So I'm really glad. And the cover is really cool. I just thought it looked great. So I'm glad that she put that back on my radar. It's like a hundred chapters in the life of the Duke of Edinburgh. Or yeah. Something. It's really it sounds really interesting. All right. Royal history. This week in royal history. This was a fun one. November 1985, it was Diana's first trip to America. Charles, of course, had been before, but there were there was so much pressure on Diana. This was a really big deal. And she was 24. I can't believe it. Oh my gosh. It is so out of body for me because she also just had so much poise and confidence even then that like 
to be in that role at 24. I don't think I could do it now. <laughs> Even like the way the way she acts, but also the way she just looks. Like she doesn't look yeah, like a 24 year old in that dress and the choker and all of that. But let's get into it. What? Uh, so this is the night she danced with Travolta. Well, yes. Yeah, so there were ma- many events that took place. The most iconic that and most well known is, of course, the dinner at the White House that was hosted by the Reagans, who were dear friends of Charles. Uh, One thing that I totally missed before is that she's wearing the sapphire and pearl choker, the same one that she wears and pairs with the revenge dress. So I feel like we we have, this is foreshadowing for the episode, we talk about the revenge dress a little bit in this one. So I just thought that, you know, I think I was more tuned in, maybe looking back at the footage. You know, this dinner also was attended by Estee Lauder, Tom Selleck, Mikhail Baryshnikov, who obviously was very excellent dancer. Diana must have loved that. And John Travolta. Uh, I feel Clint like- Clint Eastwood, Neil yeah, there Diamond. there were so many people. I was like looking at pictures from, you know, White House photographer Pete Souza earlier this year shared a bunch of pictures from Yes. I don't know if you remember that. And he called out that Diana was blushing so hard when she danced with Neil Diamond. So I thought that was funny. But. When she danced with Neil Diamond? She also danced yes. with Yes. Yeah, oh, because he, was, he kept singing to her while they were dancing. Like, of course, that's kind oh of my God, that's cool. an awkward thing to do, like, while someone's dancing with you. But I, I guess that's that. why she was blushing. Well, John Travolta, as we've famously heard now, recently reflected on the experience. We're going to play a moment clip from that. Nancy Reagan uh, tapped on my shoulder and said, the princess... Her fantasy is to dance with you. Would you dance with her tonight? And I said, well, of of course. My heart starts to race, you know, and I tap her on the shoulder and she turns around and looks at me and she did that, that, that kind of bashful dip that she did and she looked up at me and I said, would, would you care to dance with me? And she said, yes. He tells it with such a sense of like drama. I love it. Yes. Um, but you know, and they of course dance to a medley of his hits, which I wish we could pipe into this episode because I just want a little grease lightning, you know, all that stuff in the background. But, but I did think, you know, kind of revisiting this, there's the speech the next day that Charles gave at the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. And the media, he was very frustrated that the only thing that they cared about was Diana and John Travolta. I want to play a clip from that. And this is actually from the CNN docuseries that has its last episode on Sunday. So everyone tune in. That Rachel is the star. No, stop. Okay, let's play the clip. <laughs> tune in Sunday to see Rachel. To the core of the issue first, had the princess enjoyed her dance with Mr. Travolta? Well, I'm not a I'm not a glove puppet, so I can't answer for that. I'm afraid, but I think I think you enjoyed it, didn't you? Though? Be an idiot if she didn't enjoy dancing with John Travolta, wouldn't she? What? I just feel like it's so biting to hear him say the word idiot, and she looks very uncomfortable as well. Yeah, and I don't know. It just feels like there's like jealousy like seeping out of every word he utters, you know? It's not very royal to say that. (laughs) No, it's not very kind either. You would think that, you know, the royals are known for having the stiff upper lip and not letting things like that affect them. But he really, it, it shows in that moment for sure. Yeah, and I think that just revisiting this, it really is kind of, what we know now, the evolution of Charles' continued role in the shadow of Diana. There was Australia in 1983, and now this was right on the heels of that in 1985. But did you know about the British Embassy Dinner? I wasn't as familiar with this occasion because I think we hear about Washington, D.C., and we hear about the dance. But um, Diana and Charles actually, after this night, hosted it for politicians at the White House. And this is a clip from a speech that Charles made there that I think is fascinating. When uh, we were in the National Gallery this morning, a gentleman of the press asked me, I thought rather tactlessly, really, why, um, why there was a bigger crowd outside the cathedral. 
today than there was the last time I came here on my own. Well, the answer, of course, is that they all turned up to see my new clothes. And all the shoes and the shirts and the ties and things that my wife is credited with having um, equipped me over the last four years. From that point of view, my former self was a mere shadow of what you see now. Hindsight is easy, but it's just interesting to hear how he, you know, handles the, the attention that really was on Diana. So anyways, fun to revisit this. And it's obvious he's so, so cutting about in public to the press about Diana's wardrobe, about the things that people do turn up to see, about why they read the articles. It's like, he, Charles got jokes, bothers, right? It's like yeah, kind of funny. Yeah, him so much that he lets it seep out in public too. It's like, what What did he say to her behind closed doors even that yeah. touched on that subject? I don't know. It's curious. Like part of me is like, obviously we all joke with our like spouses and our relationships and it's like you have to have a sense of humor about those things. But obviously knowing what we know now, that's why I say hindsight is easy. Yes. So before we get into our lovely chat with Eloise Moran, who, reminder, runs the Lady Die Revenge Looks Instagram account, we chatted all about Spencer with her. We wanted to do just a quick little uh, synopsis of our own, and Rachel and I have a lot of thoughts about it. So first off, spoiler alert, we're going to say this again before the interview with Eloise, but if you haven't seen it yet, Hold this Probably episode. going to spoil a lot of the movie for you. Save this um, one for later, yeah. Yeah. Rachel, let's get into our favorite moments. What was yours, Roberta? I mean, I feel like the montage at the end, I think her dancing through- With the fashions? Uh, see, yeah, the fashions and then the, the scenes of her dancing and Sandringham. I think a lot of the criticism before the movie came out was that, you know, Kristen Stewart could really- intimate Diana's mannerisms and the way she tilts her head and bats her eyelids and the way she talks and has that posh blue blood accent. But I think people were critical, like she doesn't carry herself with the same kind of elegance that Diana had. But I really think in those dancing scenes, she really pulls it off. Oh, yeah. Um, And just all the fashions, too. It was just so fun. What about you? Yeah, I feel like for me, it was just all the parenting moments. I just loved when they were, it's the night before Christmas, and the boys were so upset that they couldn't open presents on Christmas Day. And that, what is it called? Soldier Major? What's the game that they played? Major. Yeah, it was like, like, Soldier Harry. Yeah. What is your favorite part of Christmas? Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> that, that was, my, was my favorite. And also just like, I know this is a weird thing to say, but the candlelight, it's a reminder how flattering candlelight it was just such a beautiful scene. She is so strikingly stunning. And I just, I really, I really liked that. And I think that there was a lot of commentary that, you know, if you don't get the motherhood part of Diana right, then you don't get Diana right. And I think mm-hmm. in that scene, Kristen Stewart really nailed it for me, but um but yeah, that was that was my favorite. Yeah, any scene with the boys was just it came to life, I think. And I think Kristen Stewart really pulled off that she, you know, that aspect of her life and and the actors, those boys were so good. And even Diana at, I turned to you during the part where they flash back to Diana as a child and that actress looks 
exactly like the Getty images that we've seen of Diana as a young girl, like to the T, like the sweater is the same, the whole hairstyle is the same. It kind of gave me chills, actually. It was like, whoa, yeah. this feels like we're really watching footage of Diana yes. in full color in the 60s. So that was really neat. Um, yeah. Okay, I wanted to quickly go through Darren McGrady, who, spoiler alert, is part of the movie in a way. So Chef Darren is a character in the movie the last name's not there, but when this, when she said Darren, Diana, Kristen Stewart's Diana said Darren, we were both like, what? We I turned think, to each I other. I think I like clutched your arm. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, it's like you kind of almost like high five yourself for like recognizing it. But at the for same knowing. time, I was like, Darren, we know who that is. <laughs> well, so he, the real Darren McGrady posted a video about the Spencer movie kind of joking. Like, he's like, I have no part in this. I didn't, you know, I wasn't a source for them. I didn't consult on the movie, but I wanted to go through and fact check some of the stuff. So I watched this video and I'm going to go through some of the um, fact and fiction of the Spencer movie. So Darren says that he, unlike in the movie where the actor Sean Harris often refers to Kristen Stewart as Diana, just Diana, he never would have called Diana by her first name. He always referred to her as Her Royal Highness. Uh, he said she drove not a Porsche, but a Mercedes. And she won- <laughs> he remembers her joking about it. Someone said, a German car for a British princess. And she said, well, they're more reliable than German husbands. Whoa. This one is really heart-wrenching. Darren says that the bulimia that Princess Diana suffered is understated in the movie. He says that it's worse than what they even show. Obviously, the pearls, eating the pearls and that sort of stuff was fake, but kind of how bad it was was much worse than they even showed, but that her mental state is overstated. All of the kind of imaginings that she has and more like, psychosis that they show that is really really overstated he says um and also that the royal family did care a lot more than they depict he says that the Mm -hmm. dining room was next to the kitchen in real life at sandringham and he would hear lots of laughing especially diana diana was always laughing which makes me feel uplifting to hear because the movie is really a tough watch so Exactly. yeah um yeah so he said lots of happy times she never said to darren Will they kill me, do you think? But sh- and, and in the movie, actually, in the trailer, it really makes it seem more dire than it is. It's just about being late to Sandringham when she says, you know, do you remember that? Yeah, comment? She, yeah. So he said she never said that to him, but she did one time say that he needed to watch the brakes on her car because she thought someone had been tampering with them. Whoa. So there was a lot of paranoia and suspicion obviously in real life. The military transport of all the kitchen stuff, what yeah. do you think? Great Factor fiction. What do you think? I bet it's fact. I'm going to say. It's fact. Oh, my gosh. Totally like that. He said they brought all the kitchen supplies. The food they actually sourced from local farms. So it wasn't um, brought in like that. But all of their supplies were. He said Sandringham does feel very claustrophobic. It's the smallest of the royal estates. And it's more homely than what they depict in the sh- in the movie, which is actually filmed at a German castle that's huge. Sandringham actually feels more cozy than I that. I felt like that was an artistic choice to make it feel inc- incredibly cold, like with the moat and everything like that. I think that that was yeah. a that was a very thought out decision, right? And then they use kind of more of the staff to make it feel claustrophobic in the movie. But I think he's saying in real life. It does feel a bit claustrophobic when there's all the staff and servants and oh, all of the royal family it. there for Christmas. Got it, got it. Um, he said that the Christmas Eve present opening is 
a fact and it's because of their German heritage. That's a mm-hmm. German tradition. Yeah, that's I, yeah, that makes I sense. I thought that was funny that the King Charles uh, yeah, kings and queens get them early. Yeah, Charles joke. Um, he said there was nobody as scary as the Timothy Timothy Spalding. Is that his name? Yes. Yeah, he said there was nobody like that in the house. He says they also don't weigh themselves, which we thought that was true, and I feel like that was a tradition they used to do. But he said that he never saw that. He says Diana did visit them in the kitchen a lot, and she would sit on top of the table and talk with them and chat with all of the chefs. And the most accurate, and this makes me feel, this like gives me warm fuzzies. The most accurate part of the movie is Diana with her boys. He said that they would hop around the tiles. They would play games. Soldier, Harry, what's your favorite part of Christmas? They just, that part, the movie really got right. And that is when Diana was at her happiest, was with William and Harry. So I love that. Thanks to Darren. That was a great, yeah. We cannot wait to welcome Eloise and share our conversation with her all about the movie. Roros, we're joined by Eloise Moran, the person behind the must-follow Instagram account Lady Die Revenge Looks at Lady Die Revenge Looks. So we're addicted to your Instagram account, and we definitely want to get your reaction to the new Spencer movie out this weekend. But first, we are also so elated at the news that you have a book coming out next June, The Lady Die Lookbook. Congratulations. Tell us all about it. Well, so uh, yeah, as you said, the name of it is The Lady Die Lookbook, what Diana was trying to tell us through her clothes. And obviously, it was kind of a culmination of all the work I'd been doing um, on Instagram and I kind of real. I'm a fashion writer. So as I was collecting all of these images, I, and obviously with the kind of angle that I've been taking, which is the revenge looks and the revenge dressing, I kind of realized that um, there was a very sort of empowering story to tell and a story that I don't think has been told sort of through that angle before. Um, obviously, as we'll go into as Spencer, but that wasn't, <laughs> necessarily kind of the best of Diana and I think what I really wanted to do was this overall celebration of her and show that she kind of even in the early days where she was maybe more fragile and younger and kind of innocent and she was still pretty funny and strong and sassy and she kind of just portrayed it in a different way to how she did later on so I Ultimately, the book is the ultimate celebration of Diana and um, it shows her for all her very human flaws and it celebrates the best of her outfits. There's no weird outfits in there. It's all fabulous. (laughs) Yeah. um, We can pre-order it now, right? Yeah. um, Everyone can pre-order it now if you'd like to. (laughs) I would love that. Um, It's going to be out in June 2022 so um, a little while but I promise you it's going to be worth it I just saw the interior pages and I nearly cried they look so great so um, it's all coming together and I really really hope people love it I put a lot into it the exterior the cover is gorgeous it's so display worthy so I cannot wait to get our Uh, hands on a copy and it's next June June 2022 yeah, exactly. June 2022. They did an amazing job. I'm super happy. I couldn't be happier. It's beautiful. 
Um, before we talk Spencer, though, I also wanted to ask, you know, what led you to launch the Lady Die Revenge Looks account? Uh, so I was going through a breakup myself. I actually have a marriage and I was pretty young. I was 25, which obviously is a strange age to be getting divorced or estranged from someone. And um, I watched I'd never really been interested in Diana before. Um, I was obviously aware of her and kind of. I, I think my relationship with her was kind of the way it would be to someone like Marilyn Monroe. I knew she was an icon. I have a vague memory of when she died, but it wasn't. I was five. So I that's all I really remember is the funeral. And um, I, one night, like moping, watching Netflix, I came across a Diana documentary and um, it was called Diana in her own words. And she narrates the entire program. And um, through her secret tape, sorry. And um, I just felt really connected to her. And I I loved actually the way they told that story. And when you hear her in voice, and she was really inspiring in a lot of ways. And um, I just found the fact that I felt so, she was so relatable, interesting in itself. I'm kind of like, why is this princess so relatable? And I did a bit more research on her and I at that time I was kind of going out chopped all my hair off classic revenge move and Mm -hmm. kind of you know started to dress not dress so differently but really maybe a little sexier (laughs) you know you're like hitting the gym every day I'm like I'm gonna show him what he's missing blah 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 like tale as old as time and um I started to uncover these outfits from Diana and it just became so obvious to me that it was like this revenge wardrobe. And I had a joke with my friend, like friends, every time I went out, I'd be like, this is my rodeo revenge look. This (laughs) is my, you know, kind of naming all of them. And I started to see these 90s outfits and at the time nobody um, was actually posting it, which is funny because now it's all you see on Instagram, right? (laughs) And I thought this account in whatever way would already exist. So I, I start looking it up. I'm like, Diana Revengelitz, Lady Di Revengelitz. There was nothing. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. So I started it and it was really for me in a way and for my friends and we would all laugh at it. And I felt like every outfit or every caption was kind of directed at my ex, like a little, yeah, it was fuck you, Charles and Camilla. But it was also like, fuck you, my ex-husband. Yeah. <laughs> so, Hashtag uh, F-U-C-C. I always love to yeah. see that. <laughs> Um, but me me and him are okay now but like at the time obviously it was like yeah so yeah that's where it came from and then ultimately I think people kind of connected with the sentiment of it as much as I did in a way so that's how it started there's such an amazing energy before we talk Spencer I know I keep saying that but one last question we wanted to get your gut reaction to the crown photos from the weekend with Uh, Elizabeth Debicki in the revenge dress the crown's interpretation of it yeah, um, I am going to be one of the people who doesn't comment on her body because I felt like that in itself is weird. She's an actress, you know, she's not Diana. She's not going to be Diana. And, you know, I kind of want to give a, a chance to see kind of her acting abilities and how she portrays her rather than commenting on her figure because a lot of people did comment on kind of maybe how thin she looked or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I thought first impression, they finally got the hair right. Thank yeah. God. Yes. Because yes. 
that was I was so annoyed by that in season four it really bugged me I'm like come on guys how hard is it to get like a decent wig it's so hard apparently and nobody's gotten it right it feels yeah nobody it It really I think that's what was so captivating about those images when I was scrolling through I was like it really to me felt like this is the look like they nailed it I was really excited about those pictures totally and actually I mean one point I can't remember who said it to me but somebody said to me that Diana actually had quite a big head and a lot of hair and like apparently she had so much hair that it was you can't maybe can't recreate that sort of hairstyle with a wig yeah yeah interesting that is interesting yeah I get I do get, I thought the wigs in Spencer would, weren't quite right, but definitely better than in The Crown. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's kind of copy and pasted from different times, right, in her life. Like, it feels like an earlier Diana In Spencer, style. Right? Yeah, exactly, in Spencer, but then in yeah. 1991. So that was kind of interesting to mesh those. Yeah, two. we let's talk about that. Yeah, let's that, get into Spencer. I have things to say about that, but. Uh, let's get back- into it. Going back to the outfit really quickly of the crown, oh, yeah. it, I thought they've like nailed it. I think it looks really good. And the hair looks great. I think it's easier with the shorter hair. But we'll see. We'll see what <laughs> yeah, it looks November like. November 2022. We have a long time to wait. Yeah, exactly. Well, before that, you get my book coming out. Yes, so. <laughs> exactly. Very exciting. Well, yeah. before we talk about Spencer, we do want to just preface this and say that there will be spoilers ahead for our listeners because I feel like that's important to acknowledge. If you haven't run out to the theaters and seen it, like, all of us did Which so immediately not at this yes, point yeah. yes uh just <laughs> yeah. keep that in mind but let's yeah. let's go for it gut reactions what did everyone think I watched it and the whole time I was thinking do I like this or do I hate this yes and I felt so um uncomfortable the entire time watching it but I was also hooked and I thought Kristen Stewart really was fantastic like surprised really impressed, killed it, knocked it out of the park and proved a lot of people wrong because I know she got a lot of shit when she took on the role immediately. A lot of haters. But I also had so many issues with it. But I don't know. What did you guys think? Roberta, what was your gut reaction? I think we we were just talking about this, Rachel and I, before you joined Eloise. And I, I think it's grown on me now that I've had time to kind of sit with it for a little bit, but my gut reaction was that they, it wasn't a very kind portrayal of Diana. I know it's fictionalized. I know there's that, you know, description in the beginning, it says a fable from a true tragedy. Like they really set it up like this is in a piece of art, you know, it's the director's kind of interpretation of a weekend at Sandringham. Um, But I just, I thought that, you know, Diana would have been so much funnier and, and, um, I don't know. That rubbed me the wrong way for quite a while. I really want to see it again. I think like I, I just need to see yeah, it again. That's how I felt. I feel like it. I needed to see it again. Roberta and I saw it together, which was such a treat. And I feel like I had a similar reaction to you, Eloise, where it was like I needed time to process the film. I felt so uncomfortable throughout. Roberta and I both did. I yeah. think it helped to consider the context for me afterwards that this was a point, even though it was highly fictionalized and very inaccurate and more of like a fever dream, I think just knowing mm-hmm. that this grounding it in the fact that this was when Diana was likely recording the tapes with Andrew Morton. So the outside world really didn't know the level of her suffering. I think that that helped me to sort of process a little bit more that was of what was going on. Also that Charles was f- about five years into his affair with Camilla at that point. So just 
to get in her headspace a little bit more because I didn't feel like it was kind to Diana. I think I wanted to see her stronger, as Roberta said, like more, more funny, more that what we know, you know, once she got to the other side of it, I guess maybe that's. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, um, obviously I, because I've done so much research on her, I kind of, and just having done so much reading and listened to sort of the tapes and Mm -hmm. everything, she was really funny. And by 91, I think she'd at that point, maybe, yeah, she'd hired a voice coach um, because she wanted her voice to come out more. And the thing about Diana was she was very um, calm and collected. And I think she was, um, you know, she was a class act. And I think this movie really portrayed, kind of took her mental health struggles and sensationalized them, which I definitely had an um, issue mm-hmm. with. I know a lot of mm-hmm. people um, took issues with that. I kind of took issue with... Um, the bulimia because it was I in my research of her she said that she stopped the bulimia kind of in the late 80s uh, very early 90s so I know it was they say oh it's a fable based on a true tragedy but when something is so recent and there's you know her kids are still alive and everything I don't know if it's that fair to do that and they kind of took every because a lot of it was they say it's a fable but they did take a lot of things that actually happened. For right. example, when she nearly fell down the stairs, she did actually throw herself down the stairs. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about the accuracies and inaccuracies that we like jumped yeah. out for you? Yeah. Let's do that. I like that you mentioned that, Eloise, because that was something I recognized too, is that incident, the her falling down the stairs supposedly took place when she was pregnant with William. So there are, you know, all these mental health struggles that are just kind of condensed into this one weekend for the movie. Um, And it kind of, it it like conflates, you know, a mental health or eating disorder with madness, which I think is Mm -hmm. a little disturbing because, you know, Diana at one point has like a vision that someone's there and then they're not. And so it's like, she's almost like going through like a break with reality, like psychosis. And so that to me, it was, it was hard to stomach watching them kind of make her out to be a mad woman almost I don't know completely I thought it was really bizarre like um as you said the stuff to do with the bulimia and the eating disorder for example her I mean there's really I almost feel like there should have been a bit of a trigger warning at the beginning yeah I know it's Hollywood and I know but that kind of thing is so sensitive for a lot of people and um, a lot of young women especially and um, the scene of her kind of in the kitchen where she's, you know, stuffing all these really fabulous cakes, you know, into her mouth. And it's, I don't know if it, it's not glamorizing it in a way, but it's kind of, again, sensationalizing eating disorders. A lot of people who have suffered from that know that that isn't necessarily, you know, what it looks like. And it, it did, as you said, kind of make it, it combined the two and they should have been completely separate. Right. And it's like it turns up the volume on everything she went through. Like it's like everything's full, full throttle. And mm-hmm. that to me, it's like, it, you know, of course they have this disclaimer at the beginning, but we know with like the crown and other depictions of Diana, people will take this to heart and they will walk away with this vision of Diana as the true vision in their heads, which I think is really yeah. hard to stomach. It's funny because obviously we we're interested in Diana, so we kind of know maybe the fictionalities and everything. But 
it, it you're right a lot of people do take the a lot most of the people going to that cinema don't really know the backstory of Diana in depth, you know? It's kind of like people learning about her through The Crown in season four. Like that was a lot of people's first introduction to Diana too. Totally, exactly. And um, it just made me sad for her because I don't think she would have wanted to be portrayed like that. And one thing that really stuck out to me was um, the moment where she considered throwing herself down the stairs Mm -hmm. and kind of the little child her appeared or whatever obviously they took that from when she did actually throw herself down the stairs as you said when she was pregnant and there was one thing she said that I read in Andrew Morton's biography of her uh, where she said they put her on loads of medication Mm -hmm. and everyone could sleep at night knowing the princess of Wales wasn't going to jump out and stab them and she said that obviously as kind of a self-deprecating joke but it's almost like they took that idea of her and the royal's idea of her being mad and all her mental health issues, like seeing her as a lunatic. And it's almost mm-hmm. like they made that quite literal. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was a really sympathetic rendering. I mean, some people called it a horror movie, which yes. it kind of was. It was. Yeah. It was really like a psychological thriller. It really was. If I take it like that and I think, OK, then it's a horror movie twist on Diana's story okay then it then to me it sinks in a little bit easier but oh no totally what I liked about the movie and one thing I think they did quite well is um Diana's kind of connection to regular people Mm -hmm. she Mm. would so much rather you could see when she was kind of at this big banquet dinner table the way they um portrayed it was that all this sort of boring really sterile chatter was going on it was almost silent and dead and she's there just kind of eating her food and they I mean maybe I shouldn't can we spoil things yeah we're doing full spoilers yeah Yeah. full spoilers where she's kind of (laughs) crunching on this pearl and it's this vision of how kind of painful it was yeah the sound of it breaking too that was like Mm -hmm. oh that was excruciating to listen to yeah totally but then when she's speaking with the chef or with her um dresser the royal dresser Maggie Um, it's all a lot lighter and a lot freer. And I think that really, I mean, Diana loved nothing more than regular people. She felt so much more like them than she ever did the Mm -hmm. royals. So um, I thought that was good. I thought this was interesting that Maggie, who's played by Sally Hawkins, is actually, according to Stephen Wright, the screenwriter, based on a real-life confidant staffer of Diana's that was in love with Diana. So I didn't know know these things. I I thought thought that was like made up or something. For some reason, like, Rachel, I think I turned to you during the movie. I was like... Wait, are they, when she says, like, confesses her love for Diana, I was like, is this all, Is was it a joke or something? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, was it an inside joke? But I guess that really happened. Okay, what was your reaction watching that? Because I saw it with my friend and we, we went to this, like, fancy cinema in LA and we had our Prosecco watching nice. it. And both oh, of us were holding our Prosecco and we were like, <gasps> what? <laughs> we're like, okay, random lesbian subplot. Okay. Yes. Well, it did. It felt, that it's felt true. so. Yeah, it felt so random, though. I was like, "Is this a is this a joke? Like, did I miss part of the movie where she talked about like?" What is going on? But And my husband had this crazy take that Sally Hawkins was all like a figment of of uh, Diana or Kristen Stewart's imagination. And that mm. at the end, that was kind of because no one else really acknowledged her presence except that one staffer in the beginning that said that she had gone to London. And so right. his take on that last scene was Diana finally sort of finding this imagined love, like someone really did love her back. But I was but it's real. I so, love that theory. Yeah, because it, it does feel because like she does imagine that one of the other dressers is Maggie for 
for a second and yeah. she's talking to her like she's Maggie and then it switches to the older dresser with the blonde hair and so you're like wait a second so that theory definitely works for me I, I fully accept Matt's theory should we talk about the fashion now I feel like this yeah, is your this is your element Eloise yeah, okay. <laughs> favorite looks what did you think okay Lots of thoughts here, but mainly um, I loved, I actually thought they did an incredible job with the clothes and I loved how they kind of paid tribute to the clothing without directly copying it, which I think the crown tried to do and it didn't quite pull off in season. They didn't pull it off for that reason in season four. Um, But I mean, the clothes were obviously such a key factor in the film. There were so many close-ups of them the racks, the kind of the way they were, I mean, clothing and control. And it was so, you could just see the kind of links they made. And I like that they actually made the clothes a focal point of the film. Um, I thought it was interesting and surprising that they used a lot of Chanel because Mm -hmm. obviously, as a lot of people know, I think by now, but um, Princess Diana really kind of, stayed off Chanel for a Mm -hmm. lot of her life until the late 90s. She did appear in the 80s and the early 90s with like the occasional Chanel bag. And it's because she didn't like the the CC, right? The emblem reminded her of Charles and Camilla. So um, actually I have one caption on my Instagram and it's a picture of her with the Chanel bag and it says the only CC I can get on board with. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. But that just felt quite inaccurate to me because she really was like, oh God, I can't even look at that. That is really interesting. I didn't think about that during the movie. I kept thinking about it. Well, and I think Kristen Stewart's an ambassador for Chanel. Oh, you're right. So that could be an extra level right. dimension and I think that um the costume designer Jacqueline Duran actually said they Chanel was very generous in opening up the archives for them and so they tried using actually a couture dress from the 80s the white one but it ended up not working out and they had to remake it in Kristen's size so but I thought it was really interesting they they did pull a lot of archive looks for this which is cool yeah. Did you guys have a favorite look from the movie? I actually really loved the tartan jacket at the beginning. I felt like it was really um, on point. And then the um, the mint green dress she wore, that was yeah. actually a, a replica of a, a kind of a pale pink dress. I can't remember off the top of my head the designer, but they copied the cut. The design, I thought it was really beautiful. Um, I mean, I, I loved the clothes. I loved... Chanel's obviously incredible and it's so elegant but um I just I thought also it was kind of a bit of a shame not to use some of the designers that she did wear in the 80s and um some of the ones who were quite sort of pivotal or I know it wasn't the 80s but even the early 90s right but yeah it was a full Chanel movie so (laughs) I mean let's face it it was all Hollywood like it was a big Hollywood production yeah and um I just thought it was weird the way they call it a fable, yet they took so much truth from it and kind of jam-packed it all into one weekend. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know about you guys. Did you have chills when you saw her in the wedding dress? Because it was an exact replica. And I think, I mean, that's one of the things from The Crown where 
um, Emma Corn, you don't see it really. You see the back of it and it's, a, you know, it just, I love to see Kristen's were in the full actual replica of the gown. It was really cool. I think they were even saying it's not a full replica, right? It was like they didn't, oh. that they ended up pivoting. They they took the mood of it was what I read about the wedding dress. Well, is that right? Or is that? I thought it, it looked exactly it, Me too. When I saw it. It couldn't have been a full replica because I think her train was something like 52 feet long in real life. And I just, I don't think that, I mean, I have to watch it again to see, but I don't think it had like a 50. Yeah, I don't think it had the train, yeah. but I thought the puff sleeves and all the like lace and bows it was, it was, was like totally, very spot on. Yeah, I was no, like, completely. oh my God. I, I, I was that. reading this interview with Jacqueline Duran and she was saying that she they didn't have the budget to actually completely make the exact. So they took a wedding dress uh. and took the like poofiness that was emblematic of her wedding and sort of really, really depicted that Laura Ashley kind of phase yeah. of like Diana and all that stuff. Princess. 80s. But they yeah, couldn't totally. do the exact. But I had the same reaction, Roberta, that it was like, it felt exact. And it wasn't until I read that, that I was like, oh my gosh, it really wasn't. Because I loved that appearance of the dress because we didn't yeah. see it in the crown. I did actually love that scene where she's kind of running. It's a montage of her running through um, the gardens or whatever. And she's kind of ripping off all of these all of these 80s looks because they were all of the ones where she's running and she's sort of like stripping off and pulling it all off her and they were all some of her kind of more crazy looks from yes. the 80s yes. some of her more hideous looks but yeah. um well should we get into Kristen yeah. Stewart I feel and like Anne yeah. and Anne Boleyn I want to talk about that too oh I have so much to say about Anne Boleyn <laughs> okay this is an unpopular opinion I think I liked the Anne Boleyn stuff no <laughs> I just felt I just, like it was heavy-handed at times. Also, talk annoying. about costumes, though. I mean, that yeah. costume was incredible. Yeah. I was like, I'm here for the, like, Renaissance fair that we're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Kristen Stewart and then also the Anne Boleyn, Eloise? Um, Kristen Stewart, as I said before, I thought she was great. I think she did an amazing performance without being too caricature-y. Um, in the first scene where she's, um, you know, where she's in the like little shop where she pulls over to the side of the road and she's lost I was nervous and I was kind of like hmm I wonder I wonder how this is gonna be but she really was brilliant and my favorite scenes of her were um when she was with her boys who were also really great actors Mm -hmm. and killed it as Prince Jack Nealon and Freddie Spry, they were they were they looked identical to young yes. William. I yeah, and they just also weren't they didn't overdo anything. They just really seemed quite authentic to me. Like they were stuck in the middle of this relationship between their parents that was falling apart, and you could also see them really trying to take care of their mom and worrying about mm-hmm. their mom, which I think was accurate too because. I know that um, Diana used to say that William was the really sensitive one. Mm-hmm. So you d- that definitely comes across. And I wish there were more scenes like that and of them having fun. And I think they really portrayed kind of a lot of truth and the scene at the end where they're driving and playing the music that I was yes. beaming, smiling. That was- song too, All I Need is a Miracle. I think that <laughs> was so Beautiful, but also so devastating because we all know mm-hmm. how everything turned out. I think that Kristen Stewart even said that at some point, but it's it's very sad. But it was a great scene with the boys and then they go get fast food. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it, it left it on a very uplifting note. And also the KFC thing, I think that was a nod to how Diana loved to kind of just 
saunter into these places and order food from kind of regular cafes in, was that in a the product UK. placement you think because she always went we knew she went to mcdonald's but then it was like to go to kfc and then they had that sweater release this week which the spencer sweater which... i mean that it definitely seems um convenient <laughs> I that doesn't too, it yeah it but i was like kfc is riding that spencer yeah wave. i mean it's <laughs> smart <laughs> kfc seems on it with their marketing i will say everyone is riding the wave but, um... do you think Kristen stewart deserves an oscar for this role um absolutely yeah I thought she did a really amazing job at the beginning I mean I'm obviously I'm British and at the beginning I was like an American playing Princess Diana I was kind of a little judgmental a little hesitant but I think she really pulled it off I thought she was great Anne Boleyn we got to talk about Anne Boleyn okay because it's pretty heavy-handed and I but I kind of liked it I don't know Eloise what did you think I thought it was um it was such a big part of the movie they kept going back to this book and this vision and um I thought one thing that was maybe sort of quite clever about it was obviously um Henry VIII was kind of a womanizer mm-hmm. and I mean not that Prince Charles was a womanizer but he definitely kind of had his person his um mistress Camilla Parker Bowles um and the way that I think he accused her of cheating so he could behead her and get rid of her. And then actually he changed the laws as well that he created um, Protestantism, Anglicanism, um, so he could divorce because he couldn't divorce under the Catholic Church. So he was kind of a... I see the connection they made to that and she kind of felt that the palace was out to get her and you know she was really paranoid so I I get that connection I just felt like it was another thing that the movie didn't necessarily need Mm -hmm. um to be good you know it was kind of it just felt like a distraction and a bit far-fetched too to me it was a little eye-rolly but I also I was reading about Diana had said when she got engaged like, I'm going to be the next Anne Boleyn. Or she had called it out. And someone, I guess, had written this down or something. It's now on the record that Diana said she referenced her once. So I think they really latched on to that and yeah. made it this whole big thing that there really wasn't. Like, Diana throughout her whole life didn't think there were all these parallels with her and Anne Boleyn. But it was interesting. And I don't know, Henry VIII, I don't know if you've seen Six or heard about that Broadway show. But Rachel and I saw that. And so I just... Had her in our heads, yeah. Yeah. Fun fact, I grew up in the same street as Henry VIII's palace. So I lived down the street from Henry VIII's palace. Yeah, and it makes it sound like I grew up in this really posh place, but I didn't. It's in southeast London. (laughs) And um, my parents had kind of uh, a two-story flat and it was on the same street. So I used to go by his palace sometimes. So you're (laughs) very familiar with this. Yeah, Yeah. everyone in the UK is. You learn that in history. I mean, Henry VIII is like one of our kind of most notorious kings so yeah um, yeah, yeah. I, I felt like she just appeared too many times like I I was yeah. okay with it and I was prepared for it from early you know conversations about it but uh but yeah I felt like that was that was a little heavy-handed for me but knowing the comments she made what you said about how um she said oh I'm gonna be the ne- next Anne Boleyn kind of understanding Diana's sense of humor she clearly said that as a joke like that's hilarious that she said that that's really funny but I felt like they took everything so literally and made it all so dark and I definitely felt there was um a lot of humor missing my favorite line in the whole movie was when she said I wish to masturbate now that was was great and that got like a 
giant laugh in the movie theater. It was a much needed comic <laughs> relief because we're all just like so pen, like so tight. And I felt like that was like, oh, I breathed a sigh of relief. Um, yeah. And uh, another thing was that just one more thing about Anne Boleyn was, so he divorced her to marry his mistress, which I think is where the Camilla part comes in, but also she lost her head. And I think that they're trying to say like Diana lost her mind a little bit, which I don't agree with at all. But I think that that might've been another, I don't know. I just was like, Oh, that's interesting. Kind of. Yeah, true. I mean, I see all the connections they made. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I don't hate it, but I also, it it felt like the lesbian subplot to me, which was just kind of distracting. Obviously not <laughs> against it. Love that for yeah. her, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of like, what's going on? Yeah. But it is such a beautiful movie. I do want to give a yeah. shout out to the cinematography. Like you said, like when the dresses were rolled in or the food scenes or any of that, it was, oh my gosh. You, you really lost yourself. And I think maybe that's what felt jarring when Anne Boleyn would show up. But I feel like maybe a good note to end on would just be what do you feel like this film will do for the royal family because I think like you know a lot of people talked about there's so many entry points to the royals you know babies weddings those kinds of things if this was your entry point what would you think to be honest I don't think this is an entry point for the royal family they've been in the news and the media kind of every day for god knows how many years yeah, that's and true. they have they have had kind of a lot of negative press over mm-hmm. the last few years, especially with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry moving over here and the kind of the drama there. Um, and I think, honestly, the firm, um, who are kind of the people who run the palace and all the operations there, I think it's this crazy PR machine. And ultimately, the royal family still represents this fairy tale of Britain, mm-hmm. and which, pe- which sells and people love and they're fascinated by. Um, so... I think it was just maybe another negative rendering on them, but um, it also was on Diana. So I don't yeah. think yeah. it was really, um, yeah. Yeah, the major Alistair Gregory character, which we didn't really get into, was he basic? He was basically the men in gray suits, kind of and that you know were talked mm-hmm. about so much by Meghan and Harry. And I think that you know, just Is that the. Peter Pettigrew, yes, Spalding, yeah. exactly that character. <laughs> um, and so, like, I loved the scene when I didn't love it, but I was distressed by the scene when you know Diana was out and they came and informed on her, but he didn't even move his face. Like he was, someone was telling him through the door behind him, mm. and it felt like the family they likely knew that you know based on the plot of the movie that something was up with Diana, but it really felt like they were shielded from so much. And I thought that was interesting, just knowing what we know. Totally. Yeah. I sort of felt like the royal family were in the background a bit. It almost felt like a monologue mm-hmm. of Kristen Stewart throughout the entire movie, it really, which, yeah. which was so interesting because you really do kind of get inside of her mind or what they kind of believed her mind was like at the time. Um, but I, it's funny because now thinking about it, I'm like, I can barely remember Prince Charles. I can barely remember the Queen. Yeah, It's not like the Queen and the Crown, like Olivia Coleman. It's... It, you know, it's something. They have like a few lines. Different. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Completely. Oh, guys, I feel like we could keep talking about this for hours. I know. <laughs> totally. I know. I know. I, everyone I speak to at the moment is, what do you think about Spencer? What do you think? Well, <laughs> we're so honored that you would join us to share your opinions. And I feel like we all clearly need to watch it a second time. Yeah. Thank you for having thank me. And congratulations on your book as oh, well. Thank you. I've actually thank just you. been sent the PDF, so I'm going to have a good oh, read. Amazing. I'm really excited. Awesome. Thank you so great. much. Cool. Well, Thanks thank for coming you on, Eloise. This thank is awesome. You. Thank you so much for having me.
That was amazing. I just love that so, so much, Roberta. I did want to insert my, I've been teasing this to Roberta, my super secret surprise question. What is it? Um, I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay, because we, as I said, Pablo Lorraine had to cancel, right? So what would you have asked him if he had been there as a question? Like if you had the opportunity to ask him a question because we were so bummed, what's left unanswered for you? I can I can say what I would want to ask. Okay, it's yeah, you super, go first. You go it's first. super throwaway. But I and I this wasn't like I didn't prepare overly. This was what I thought when I left the movie, and it's so stupid. But it was um, why was it KFC in the movie? Because I feel like we oh. know famously that she went to McDonald's, and I think that that was just kind of funny for me <laughs> that like it should have been like something else. And I also think that because it was a fable, like what was the moral that he wanted people to walk away with? Yeah, I was gonna say like, what's the legacy of his, this film for him? Like, does he? Why did he play up certain parts of her life and downplay others? And also, like, the Anne Boleyn stuff. I just want to yeah. know more about the thought process behind that. I kind of liked we it all in the did, end right? after I thought yes. about it. I sat, sat with it a little bit. But that's a great question. And Pablo, you have an open invitation to join the pod. Saying it here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a special Q&A. All right. Before we adjourn the royal pod, our highs and lows, we're going to get into some of the news this week through our highs and lows. So it's time for the royal highs and lows. My low this week, I was going to talk about Biden and Camilla and Fartgate, but I feel like it's way too upsetting after I thought about it. Yeah. Like one, farts are natural. Two, why is the palace allowing the story to go unchecked? And it feels way more embarrassing to Camilla, in my opinion, that you would keep talking about someone's natural flatulence. I don't know. This just rubs me the wrong way. So my low is actually that Jason Ganoff, former Cambridge Communications Secretary and now CEO of the Royal Foundation, has submitted a new witness statement that the mail says will help their appeal of the court ruling in Meghan's favor from last February. Basically, they want to overturn her win. So Megan discussed it yesterday with Andrew Ross Sorkin at the New York Times Dealbook Online Summit. Here is her response to him asking about it. Yeah, well, you know, in terms of this, um, the appeal, I won the case and this issue, frankly, has been going on when I had no children at all. Melody, I now have two children, as you know, so it's an arduous process. But again, it's just me standing up for what's right, which I think is important across the board, across the board, be it in this case or in the other things we've been talking about today. At a certain point, no matter how difficult it is, if you know the difference between right and wrong. You must stand up for what's right. And that's what I'm doing. I think what rubs me the wrong way about this whole appeal is also that this Jason guy is still employed. By yeah. the royal family. I he like, was out. And I mean, I guess they could still tap him for the case, but it seems like he was showing up at like COP26 and things like that. And that's what I don't understand. Yeah. He's like a big player in the Earthshot Awards, too. Like he's he was in a, a lot of pictures and on the green carpet with them. So, yeah, more to come on that, I'm sure. The case wraps up, I think, Thursday. So we'll have more info next week. Ugh. Rachel, what's your low? So, my low is the headlines all about Jemima Khan and her participation and now exit from the crown. So, she was a dear friend of Princess Diana's and a distant cousin through marriage, I guess, of Hasnet Khan, who Diana, the Pakistani heart surgeon that Diana dated for the last couple of years of her life. Um, so, season five, as we know, is supposed to cover Hasnet Khan, her relationship, Panorama, Dodi Al Fayed. There's a lot to expect. I'm just really nervous now. I think that's a big part of my low is just I feel like Jemima is incredibly credible in her relationship with Diana. So what what are we going to see in season five? And I think it's also suspicious that Khan and Morgan also did date. And then it was between his relationship with Jillian. So there's a lot of dramatics behind the scenes, clearly. Yeah. 
There is. There is. There's a whole show behind the scenes, too. <laughs> My high this week is Harry and Megan in NYC together again. I'm guessing we'll see them tonight at the Intrepid Valor yes. Awards. I hope so. There's a Salute to Freedom Gala that Harry is confirmed to attend with Bon Jovi. So got to tune in for that. I am so curious to know if we'll see them both on the red carpet well, we tonight. We didn't I'm even hoping. know that she was going to officially be in person. So that was a delight to learn. It was. Yesterday we saw her at the Dealbook Summit as we played. Andrew Ross Sorkin was crushing. There was like so many funny moments where he was kind of like blushing and was like, when you walked in the room, like it, it lit up. Like he says oh, that. It's just really funny. So she, cute. <laughs> another highlight of that was she talked about her scrunchie business when she was younger, which was really cute. I she definitely made scrunchies. scrunchies all the time. Yeah. That was like, did you do that too? Uh, I think I've done it a couple times. Yeah. Where you like stick the elastic in with a paper oh, yeah. clip. Have I you did done it that? all yeah. the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. And she uses promo codes online while she's shopping. The other highlights from yesterday, Harry was zooming in from the Wired Summit, but you can tell his background. He's in New York also at that point on Tuesday. Uh, he said, Megxit was and is a misogynistic term, which we've said, I feel like, a, a yeah, lot. Yeah, we've on talked the about show. that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He also admits to watching Succession, which is that interesting. Was a cool I mean, he, little he doesn't really say that, but he says, Logan Roy, Rupert Murdoch's of the world. So it's like, okay, I'm from that I'm gathering he watches Succession. So that was my Super high. Super <laughs> cool. So my high is just the release of the Platinum Jubilee collection. We got some pieces that felt very optimistic. Roberta, what do you think? I feel like that's like a big deal. Is that a good sign about the Queen's health? This is not supposed to happen until June 2022. Well, one, I'm ordering like as many chocolate bars as I can because they're (laughs) only, I think, like three pounds. And then also the shortbread tin. So cute. And the purple sort of tone of everything and nod to her coronation and stuff. I love that. And the Queen traveled to Sandringham and now she's back at Windsor. And I saw that the reason that she went is because she's getting everything. She likes to be in person to oversee Christmas prep, which... On the heels of Spencer, I'm feeling weird about, but at the same time, that's exciting. And I think that these are full-on, I believe, full-on rumors that Harry might make a solo trip. Um, But yeah, I kind of hope they are rumors because I feel like that makes me extra nervous that he would get over there so urgently. But anyways. Oh, for the, her health, you mean? Yeah. But anyways, good news. I think that that stuff, I'm, I'm reading yeah, it as good the- news. I hope that it's rumors and that the whole family goes over. I really oh my hope gosh. the queen gets to meet Lilibet. That has to happen. So, we'll see. 2021 goals for yes. us, our personal goals. <laughs> Gosh, 2021 is flying by. All right. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a review. Write us, info at gallerypodcast.com. Here is a review. As a fan of the Royals, this is my go-to podcast. I love that both hosts are knowledgeable and take an unbiased approach to Royal News. They also have amazing guests like Chris Jackson and one of my personal favorites, Micah Meyer. I look forward to this podcast each week and save the episode for my drive to work to use as part of my me time. Mm. Also love to hear what the Royal Refreshment is each week. Oh. Oh, we, we failed blew you this it week. This week. Next so week will sorry. be better. Promise. <laughs> As a reminder, follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Let us know if you saw the movie Spencer. Yes, send us your thoughts. own reviews. We want to hear yes. them. Please. Info at gallery podcasts with an S.com. And till next week, God, God save, save the, pod. the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.